You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Josh Swallows. Josh Swallows. Josh Swallows. to Josh Swallows Broadway. I am so, so excited. And let me tell you why. As all of you know, an incredible production of Evita is happening at Encores. Um, if you don't know what Encores is, it is an incredible, incredible organization. Um, and they put up revivals of all of our favorite shows. And they're reviving Evita, which I am so excited about. I am sitting here with some of the creative team. Uh, my dear friends, Sammy Canold, Emily Maltby, Valeria. Oh, Valeria. I got it right. Yes. Valeria Sol- Solomonoff. Valeria Salomonoff <laughs> and Rebecca Aparizio. Yay. Yay! Oh my gosh, look at me, huh? Look at me getting better with names. Um, thank you all so much for coming in, especially because you're about to start tech. Tomorrow morning. Yes. <laughs> Very exciting. No, That's, thank you for having us. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that you that you even wanted to come, like right before Jeez. tech. I'm an avid listener. I don't know about Well, it. I love you, but I'd be like, <laughs> if you can like supply me with alcohol and meth, I will be glad to come and do your podcast. Otherwise Wait, I gotta sorry, go is sleep. That not part of this deal? Oh no, no, Emily, I will I will be getting it. So Sammy, I've been obsessed with you for a long time. We met a long time ago during the out of town of Finding Neverland. That we did. Because you went to Harvard. I, I went to grad school at Harvard, but it was while I was a, an undergrad, I came and did a summer at ART when you were doing um, Neverland there, and I was an intern on the production. Um, and it was, oh, it was such a wild ride of an experience. Yeah. Um, was that like your first time doing, like working on a big Broadway show? Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and when the show transferred to Broadway, I, um, I took three weeks off of school and I came and like, you know, was around for, for tech and everything. Oh yeah, you did. I have no idea if I was helpful, but it was a very good experience for of me. Of course you were helpful. It was very <laughs> so. important for me to have you there. <laughs> Emotional support. Yeah. I mean, we went through so much crazy shit. That it was did. bananas. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. And one of my favorite nights I remember like after tech or something, I don't know, I probably wanted to like kill myself. We probably both did. And um, I remember like I walked you home. I think, you did. or 
Yeah, and we got to know each other. It was very sweet. Yeah, and we just fell in love. Plus, oh, please, thank you. (laughs) And little did I know that I was going to get to, like, work with your mother on the most important project I've ever done. Wow. Um, Dory Berenstein. She's a queen. Who I love here. (laughs) And here's your incredible associate. Now, how do you two know each other? Actually, also through Diane Paulus. Really? Um, Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I was Diane's associate on Gloria, A Life, which was the play about Gloria Steinem that was yeah. with the Daryl Roth. And Rebecca applied as a, an observer through SDC, but quickly became much, much more than an observer and, and became <laughs> the assistant director and now is, is following the play to McCarter and to the ERD. That's fabulous. And like you have a lot of cool stuff going on too. One thing that I love about you is I read your mission statement and something that stood out for me, Rebecca, was you wrote, you know, that things that are really important to you are stories by and for people who are underrepresented. Yeah, that's, that's my thing. <laughs> I love that. Like what got you started down that, lo- down that road? I had a really big learning um, path that started when I wrote a show um, a musical about kind of my parents' experience as Cuban immigrants called Pedro Pan. And working on that show, being behind the table, I learned so much about um, what it means to tell your story and what it means to, for other people to hear your story. And a lot of people would talk to me about not feeling seen or heard in the way that they felt seen and heard in my show. And that kind of just opened something up for me in a way that um, set me on this path that that was the kind of work that I seek out. It's the kind of work that I want to do. It's the kind of work that I want to write. It's the kind of work that I want to just help shape in, in the world. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And so, like, how, is, how has it been going? Have you two worked before together, like, in this capacity? Uh, once before, uh, I, I directed uh, a play called Endlings at the ART this winter. Um, and- oh, right. With... with uh- 80,000 gal- 80, gallons of water yeah, and people basically. scuba diving. Exactly. And 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 Rebecca uh, swooped in at the last second as, as our associate and was incredible. And um, we're so grateful to have her on that as well as this and everything. And as a friend <coughs> and all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> and now you two went to Argentina to research this. We did. Well, what brought you, what brought like all of you together to... Like, what about Evita excites you? And how how is it different with you telling the story this time? Sure. Um, so I think for me personally, uh, I've been obsessed with Evita since I saw the revival when I was 17. Um, like, deeply, deeply obsessed. Um, and I've read as many books as I possibly can on her. Uh, I've now been to Argentina three times. Wow. Um, and uh, I directed the show in college for my thesis and um, was so interested in what it means that she had a very traumatized youth, um, that we don't know a lot about her childhood and what it would mean to um, bring that narrative uh, in a more prominent way into uh, the musical, because I think it's it's absolutely there. Um, The lyrics are all there. They acknowledge that she's 15 at the beginning of her journey, but we we don't... um, when it was written in the 70s, that meant something different than it means now. And I think that, you know, in particular, what we're looking at is the fact that if she was indeed 15 when she started her journey and if she was indeed intimate with Tango Singer Augustine Magali. I was about to say, so she was 15 and she she was... was 36. Are you kidding? No. 
So we don't, you know, history doesn't tell us if that interaction like actually happened. It, it could have, but it also may not have. But regardless of whether or not it happened. It's in the story. It's in the story. And there were multiple incidents of, of rape and sexual abuse in her young life. Oh my God, I never knew any of that. Most people don't. And and I think what's what's funny about it is that it's in the lyrics of the show. They say there was nowhere she'd been at the age of 15. They say, all you've done to me was that a young girl's fantasy. But when you're staring at 30-year-old Patti LuPone, you're staring at, you know, 40-year-old Madonna, You don't, your brain doesn't compute it in the way that I think in 2019, if you're staring at a girl who looks 15 and you're staring at a man who looks 36 or above, you do that math. Yeah. And I think it's so cool that you all have decided to to use two Avas to do that. And um, remind me of her name. I know that she's a big star in Argentina who's playing young Ava. Her name's Maya Rafiko. Oh. She's incredible. <laughs> That's so exciting. So you're using all of that history and putting that into into this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's chock full. <laughs> At some points we had to say, like, oh, my gosh, there's, like, too much history in this number. We have to, like, peel back a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Um, and you and Emily, your incredible choreographer um, and uh, co-choreographer on this with Valeria, um, how did you two meet? Because I met you both doing um, Ragtime. Okay, folks, they did Ragtime at Ellis Island. <laughs> I mean, at Ellis Island. How fucking crazy is that? Right? Um, it blows my mind. And so they did a, a workshop of sorts, basically just to figure out sound, which was amazing. And we put on these incredible, incredible, huge numbers. And um, in like a matter of minutes, you, how big was that cast? 53. 53 wow. fucking people. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. So how did you two meet? You could. Go for it. Go for it. Come on, Emily. There are several versions of this story. Oh, some um, say. Some say. <laughs> some say they met on a mountain. In our adult life, uh, we met because after Sammy had done the concert of Ragtime on Ellis Island, uh, and they were looking towards doing a full production, they were, they were looking for a choreographer. And I was working on Anastasia at the time. And so from my perspective, uh, Lynn and Stephen introduced us and said, you should meet this wonderful team. They're doing this production of Ragtime. Lynn knew that I did Ragtime in college as well. So she introduced us and we Wait, met and can, the rest is Can history. we just pause? Lynn and Steve introduced <laughs> us. Lynn and Steve, I hate you. In like a really incredible way. In like a journey to the past kind of way. <laughs> in, a, in a deeply journey to the past way. But then the like, sec well, there's like several caveats to the story, but the second like part of the story is after we met and like, had started talking, both of our parents were like, oh, you guys know each other. And we were like, what? And apparently, no. At, we like definitively, my, our, both of our parents confirmed we were friends as children. What, at like a JCC or something? So my dad is a lyricist and he wrote the musical Big, which Dory- Stop it. <laughs> One of my best friends made his Broadway debut in Big and it did not go well. Well, <laughs> well, neither did they. Neither did they. At the time, we love it still. But, um, but Sammy's mom, Dory, was one of the producers. producers. So um, there is evidence of our parents together in the same room. Oh There's evidence God. of both of us at the same opening night. We have no photographic evidence of the two of us in the same room as children. But, but uh, mind uh, you, she was six, I was three. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, now, here we now are. real quick, before we go back to Evita with Anastasia, it just always makes me laugh. They did know that Anastasia was brutally murdered, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that. 
that they that yeah, they are aware. Yeah, it's a fairy tale. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Let's let's find a murdered b- b- princess and make a fairy tale it's where she like, meets Derek Kleiner. It's more like let's take a beloved movie with a hit song and let's make a musical. <laughs> it has always made me laugh so much just walking by the theater and being yeah. like, huh? Yeah. Like you do know. That. I always wanted the show to end with them being like, J.K. Just she kidding. Died. She's dead. <laughs> This is all fake. And then all these teenage girls like leave and start crying and go into therapy. Um, and uh, Emily, where did you meet Valeria? We met through this process. Yes. Um, Sammy Match made us um, because that's great. Uh, Sammy was very adamant that there be tango presence in the choreography. Of team. course. And you are from Argentina. I am from Argentina, mm-hmm. but I live here for. I don't want to, I don't even know, 15, 20 years. That's amazing. One of my favorite little fun facts about you is that didn't you start like the first all-women tango company? Yes. I started in 96, the first all-women tango company. That's incredible. Because before it has been tango musicians together, Mm -hmm. but not the dance is really very associated with gender. And so... Is very radical. It was very radical when we started. So radical, even here, because in Argentina, in in the '96, we couldn't have done it. Really? Well, we could have done it with a lot more. Now you can, but when I started, there was a lot of resistance. And in part, you have to understand that this is a social form where it's like a bastion of of customs. So it's, it's really hitting hard that you transgress in that place. Sure. Yeah? Because it's not like, it's not, it wasn't just the show, the, the problem. The problem was that we also wanted to lead in the social clubs and follow and do both because we understood that the dance is beautiful as a dance and it's a vocabulary to communicate. And communication is, is much more than, it's not just seduction, it's also partnership is friendship is whatever is whatever you want it to be we love the dance as, as the dance itself and the connection is so big that it can express anything so we were very we were very courageous in the moment and i think being here for me provided like you know when you come from another country and you come to new york one of the most beautiful and most <coughs> terrifying things that you face is that nobody knows you nobody cares for, about you you can put a bird in your head and nobody will see it, which is wonderful and also terrifying. Mm. And that freedom was very inspiring for me because I, I, I think I could have done it in Argentina, but it, could have, it would have taken me much more of a mental process to really defend my intuition. Here I could just be intuitive about it and just go for it. That's incredible. Um, I really don't know much about tango. Like, is it very deeply rooted in Argentinian culture? Yes. Tango was born in Rio de la Plata, I mean, in Uruguay, Argentina. Argentinians would say Argentina. Argentina. <laughs> Uruguayans would claim also Uruguay, and I would give them that because I think it's both countries, but strongly in Argentina. Um, tango has been ex. Um, there's a lot of confusion of what tango is because tango is, in my opinion, a very radical form in the sense that it's not 
I, I know a lot of people that, and I respect ballroom, and I have friends who have grown doing ballroom, but ballroom has a different approach. <coughs> because in ballroom, it's more formal. It's more like, it's more set in the sense that it's either set to a, to a music uh, that we respect a certain rhythm, or to a form, we have to look like a certain, we have to look a certain way. In tango, there's not such thing. Tango is an improvisational form. It's more like jazz. So you have certain rules, but that doesn't mean it, you look in a certain way. Huh. It, it doesn't prescribe the way you look, and it doesn't prescribe the way you interpret music. So it's more free form, more fluid, but and more personal and more confusing. Okay. And people don't know what to do with it. So tango, like ballroom is is like don't go hang out with tango. They're the bad guys. Yes, kid. actually there's a lot of there's a lot of gangs. Yeah. There's gangs. Well, yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a, fucking gangs. There's a lot of tension. Seriously, yeah. it's the it's like we don't understand no, each other. The biggest yes. cause of death in Argentina is these gang fights. <laughs> it's so crazy. Just the dancers funny. and, That's you know, go to war. So one thing that I've been thinking about is we're we're living in this incredible, beautiful age now where we're actually discussing like, hey, why aren't Latino actors playing Latino roles? And so what was casting for this like? Because the thing that I don't think people know, like I'll see a huge controversy of like, oh my gosh, um, so-and-so was not played by, you know, somebody from that island or whatever. But people don't know is that it's against the law or at least the union to ask somebody their ethnicity in a job interview. So you're just kind of hoping in my mind that things work out and there's not a protest except you know with miss saigon and jonathan price i think that they, you, you they know, yeah. i don't think they could get away with like well he th- you know he th- he looked a little panoy so <laughs> um so tell me about casting this yeah i mean it's 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 so layered and our our entire summer was figuring out how to do this in a way that was responsible and um tells the story in a way that portrays all of the story's complexity and i think um you know because we are not allowed to ask those questions which i i understand why you're not allowed to ask those questions the approach that we took was to put uh latinx on the breakdown next to uh every principal character and to allow actors to self-identify or not self-identify um, with that statement. And, and I think that like a lot of our approach to this was influenced by, A, there's an, an amazing website called Project Am I Right that, that helps um, actors in particular to figure out if they are right or not right for particular roles and how to deal with that, those like crossroads. But one of the things that I responded to on that website was just saying that like, as much as you don't want to take onus off of yourself as a creative, <coughs> the onus in, in many cases does have to be on the actor to, to, because I cannot put myself in the shoes of the actor to, to know their heritage. So that was sort of like our, our, our first step, but we had so many roundtables, we had so many conversations with members of so many different communities to try to figure out how to make sure that we were doing this in a way that was, um, you know, responsible and, and thorough and, and, and um, paid homage to the story correctly. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus one thing that i love is how passionate you get about your projects you're just one of the kindest sweetest calmest Thanks. most brilliant people i know and you know that's for everybody at this table as well so how how do you see adult Ava in a new lens, considering what what you found with young Ava, which is something that I'm so glad you're doing because I've never heard of any of that history. So it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and everybody probably has more to add to this beyond just this, but uh, for me, it is about uh, when I read about the early parts of her life, and try to consider how those impacted her later life, we'll sort of never know because she wasn't an open book as a person. I mean, she was very, she she manipulated her image very, very carefully. She, The world saw what she wanted them to see. But when you read about the first part of her life, when you read about this abuse, when you read about her growing up as um, a quote unquote illegitimate child, like in a very impoverished area, uh, that can't not have had an effect on her adult life. And I think of it as like, if she is a rape survivor, she is an abuse survivor, which as we understand it, she is. Um, what is that, what does it look like when that trauma lives with you your whole life, even when you are the most powerful woman in the country? How how does that ghost haunt you? How does that affect the choices that you make? Not in any way to, to diffuse any blame for bad choices, but, but, in it, but to say it's complicated, uh, particularly as the most powerful woman in the country at the time who everybody called a slut and a whore. You know, how, how do you complicate that narrative by saying, Sure, you can say that, but but look at the first part of her life. She's a victim. Yeah. So now, why why is it that? Oh, please go ahead, Valeria. Adding to that, to me, it was has been amazing the process, and I'm so thankful thankful to Sammy to invite me in. And one of the things that astonished me that as a kid, I, I grew up knowing about Eva Perón, and and but I never saw her as a woman, like. Yeah, of course, I knew it was a woman, but I never thought of her and of what it was. The, the fact that she, I, I saw that the, the, the opinions that we had were political opinions, and now I don't see them yeah. like political opinions. And I see, I, it affects me a lot to think of her in, as, a, as the person she was in the times that she was uh, living through this process of researching and talking with Sami and thinking choreography and re- listening to the music and the lyrics, like I have a totally different sensation about her. But what really is um, weird is that I saw that the opinion I always heard of her was just political, <laughs> as if it was just about what she did or didn't do as a legacy for the country. 
And I see that it's so naive to think that way. Why Why are people so torn? Oof, that's a very charged question. Oh, I, I mean, <laughs> just because, like, I, and I really don't know, and I, even as a kid, because I remember seeing Evita when I was way too young to see Evita, <laughs> you know, where I was just like, what is happening? I was like, third grade. But my parents would talk about the conflict and it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, she was a woman that did a lot of... She's subversive is the only word I would say. She's okay. subversive in many ways because she, subver- she subverted from the role that she was given in the times that she was born. She subverted it. She became more important than many presidents in the world. And she never held any political office. So she and she didn't do it. She did it in a way very feminine in a from a very weak position. She subverted what was expected in that way. She was subversive in another way that she was subversive is that she, I think, was ahead of her time in two things. One, the the way she identified with people that were underrepresented and undeserved. I think there was something really authentic about it because she worked, and we all know, even the most stunt uh, enemies know that she worked her behind off like many, many hours and in a very direct contact with people. And she gave voice to, I would say class, but it's more than, so Argentina is very classicist. It's, it's very, it's, we, don't, we didn't have a racial thing to identify, but we, we are, we are, we're snobs. We, yeah. you know, like the, the upper classes are not upper class from 200 years. They're upper class because they're self, self designed, self, uh, identified, self made yeah. as, as upper class. Like, so she really, I, I, we have, no matter what you think politically of her, you have to give this woman credit because she dignified people who were not in the map. Yeah. Well, no wonder it pissed people off. So, yeah, and she did it from a way, in a way that it was kicking the, how you say, kicking the the table. She was just not using the games that were played. She played her own games. Yeah. So, and so in that way, also, she subverted things. And then there is another layer that is still is very, very hot today and it's much more complicated, which is the Partido Justicialista, what associates her with Perón and... And Argentina is one of the few countries where a Peronist can be the killer and the person killed. You know, like the extremes of right and left are in the same party. And so it's very, very complicated to talk about her politically. And, and her legacy still was elected in October this year. Like we have Fernández Fernández in Argentina, which is claiming her legacy. So it is something really difficult. I, I feel my tongue tied because yeah. it is very, very layered and controversial. And you could say she was a populist. You can say she was a despot. You could say she was a real revolutionary. You could say she was, I mean, you can just almost to the point of a religion, like you can just say so many things about her. That yeah. is weird. I just think it's incredible. It's so, so fascinating. I guess do you, Sammy, have an opinion on the the controversy of her? Yeah, I mean, when I first encountered her story when I was a teenager, 
I was like so deeply in love with her that I did not see the politics, that I was just like, oh my gosh, this woman was the most extraordinary woman who ever lived. What drew you to her? Um, I just think it's that her like unabashed claiming of, of, of power for a common good or what she believed to be a common good yeah. is um, uh, amazing. And, and that her, her ambition beyond what she knew to be possible is, is incredible. And I think it's like, I just admire that so much. As I've like read more, learned more, spent more time in Argentina, I think I've leveled out for myself about some of the, the, the politics and, um, you know, when I directed it in college, the the production was just a complete and total love letter to Ava. Yeah, sure. Um, and this production, I think, is a love letter to Ava, but it it also has elements where we show, you know, the darker sides of the regime and, and the reality of what it was like to live, you know, under that regime if you were a dissenter at the time. What was that you know. regime like? Um, I mean, the, the example that, like, sort of captures it for me is our, our costume designer, Alejo Vietti, is also from Rosario, Argentina. And um, his father was in the Navy when the Perones were in power in the, during the first regime. Um, and uh, his father had to go to a ceremony where um, he had to meet and shake hands with Ava. And she went down the line of naval officers. And um, when she got to the end of the line, all the officers in the unit took their gloves off and threw them on the ground. And she threw them all in jail for a night. So when I ask Alejo about, you know, how does, how do you feel about Ava? He's like, well, you know, she's an amazing woman, but she threw my dad in jail for like throwing his glove on the ground. So I think that there's the extremes that the regime went to. Um, I mean, that's, that's sort of in many ways, like a cursory example, because there's also just like the ways in which they uh, thought to help the impoverished were band-aids in the sense that like, she, her foundation was all about like, you know, giving toys to children. It's, it's like Robin Hood, you know, it's mm -hmm. like take, take money from the rich, give it to the poor. Um, but it wasn't a sustainable system. So in sure. 1955, three years after she dies, Perón is ousted in a military coup because his government is not sustainable. What happened to him? Did he have to leave? He left the country, mm -hmm. um, but he came back and he had two more terms in, in office. Interesting. Um, and fascinating. I mean, it's, you could just talk about this history for years. Um, but uh, when he died, he was married to another woman named Isabel, um, who, unlike Ava, was not impressive <laughs> in any yeah. specific way. He actually could be blamed for what happened after for the military uh, coup and for the we had a dirty war that was terrible with tons of people disappeared and tortured, oh, no. like, yeah, like an holocaust. But it's, you know, when, it when, started... when he died, she had made her vice president because she, you know, which was what Ava always wanted. Ava always wanted to be vice president and she didn't become it, but his, his new wife did. So when he died, she became president and she had no qualifications whatsoever. Sure. Which is what led to, you know. Yeah, that, she had Lope Rega, who was uh, like a crazy lunatic. And so we, it wasn't an, like an Holocaust. We had an, our own Argentinian Holocaust. Holocaust? How do you say that? Yeah, oh, why don't they teach this shit in school or do they? And I was just really bad at school. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, not even in Argentina they teach it much. So <laughs> So what did they do? I mean, I'm sorry to get off track, but this is fat. No, this is on track. Fuck that. It's my show. Um, this is fascinating. <laughs> so, yeah. so we had a dirty war and basically 
it is Lopez Rega and when Peron when Peron comes back from exile, um, there is a terrible incident in Ezeiza where because Montoneros was the the branch of of Peronism that became more violent. Uh, in Montoneros would claim that Evita was their they're like God, they're savior. Yes, but it's, that's a claim. It was much before Evita, sure. much, much after Evita. So that's a claim they do, but it's, you couldn't really say it's legitimate or not. So Montoneros started to to do some acts of violence, but it was more like, it was kind of childish in the sense that it was incidents, sporadic incidents here and there. And the interesting thing is that many of the Montoneros were kids of rich families mm-hmm. <laughs> and escalated the violence to we got repression and the repression be, was widespread and so basically anyone who had a jewish last name who had who had some left tendencies who was intellectual anyone who would question uh was either disappeared or threatened or couldn't work or so I am from a generation. My parents themselves didn't exile my co- my aunts and and uncles exiled, and I know people who were tortured and wow. within. My, so it, it was people disappeared, people were thrown from helicopters, <sighs> the bodies were thrown, never found, and so this been. So that's why the whole history. You, when you trace back to Eva and Peron, that's why it, it still is so hot the, the subject because something started to boil there. Yeah. We were for the first time having nationalization, like something that Peron, I think Peron was more than anything, was a stra- an a strategist. So he was very, he was, he, he played right and left, whatever, whatever worked, but he was also practical. And I think one thing that I will pick up from Peron that it was very good is that he, he wanted, He's, he 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 worked as a military in the inside of the country, so the level of poverty, and understood that we couldn't continue with just a bunch of rich people having the land and mm. the rest of the country just being exploited brutally. So he did have a populist agenda for real that worked, um, and still today is is either nationalization or capitalism. Nationalization, capitalism, foreign like these things are still what we vote for today. Yeah. Do we want to be independent? What does it mean to be independent economically? And this is a question that continues today. Wow. Well, one thing that I really, really love about Eva Peron that I, that I wasn't really familiar with until recently, that I didn't know that women were not allowed to vote during that the, the finale of Act One in New Argentina. Yeah, in 1945, they couldn't vote. But in in other stagings, all the women were voting, right? Yeah, a lot of productions get it wrong. It's like dramaturgs were like illegal from like <laughs> seventy five to yeah. to like ninety three. I mean, the original got it right. It's just somehow when it's staged, you know, around the world, yeah. a lot of productions just I don't know. It's it's in every biography. So. Yeah. I just don't know if people aren't reading biographies. I, I don't mean to throw shade at other productions. Throw shade. <laughs> Fuck those other productions. They're terrible. Screw them. Yeah. Um, just hilarious. But also the thing that like made me cry was I read that she voted for the first time on her deathbed. 
there's a beautiful picture of it of her like putting the ballot in the box and you like know. that's a legacy but it, rebecca can talk about this better than, than i can do you, do you want to tell the nurse story yeah i mean we met we met with maria eugenia who was her nurse when she was dying um for the year and a half that she was struggling with with cancer um and she was in a lot of pain and and something that I didn't even know that Maria Eugenia didn't tell us, but I read in her, in her sister's telling of Evita and their life story, um, was that she was in so much pain. But uh, Maria Eugenia said that she would go to work every single day and working for hours because she really wanted to get women to enlist to be able to use their power to vote. So the, the law had been passed two years prior, but there hadn't been an election yet. And so Ava was really committed to making sure that women were able to exercise their power. So she says that a lot of why she was so sick and, and kind of put off getting treatment, she would be bleeding for days. And sorry to be, you know, graphic. No, but we're we're all human. Let's bleeding hear it. for, you know, days at a time. I think she said something like 30 days, oh but refused God. to go to the doctor because she was out trying to get the vote. Yeah. And by the time she went to the doctor, it cancer was completely oh, had overtaken her body God, there was no turning back so she was that committed to getting the vote for women and we lost one of the most powerful women in the world mm-hmm, at 33 now why do you think she stood out out of all the women back then what do you think made people fall in love with her she had a, a sp- spirit of indignance as a child where like so many things had been done she'd been wronged in so many ways as a kid that there was a revenge that she wanted to get against the world um and i think that fueled her for a while and yeah. and ultimately it became about um you know she, she always talks about giving her desk camisados the, her shirtless ones everything that she couldn't have yeah. you know so it, i think it is about she never had children, but like the people of Argentina were her children in the sense that she wanted to give the people everything that she was denied as a child. So to- I would agree 100% with what you're saying. Yeah. What do you hope people take away from this new production of the show? And this is for everybody. I mean, the thing that we, we talk about principally is that um, we think of Ava as you know, a white ball gown. We think of Ava as a, you know, blonde braided bun. We think of her as arms raised in a V, but we don't really like think about a human necessarily. We think about an icon. Yeah. And our our production aims to highlight the aspects of her story that are um, human uh, and and to give you a window into what it means for this woman to have this extraordinary ascent and this extraordinary fall and what's going on inside her as that's happening. Because I think that that's... Um, a whole other dimension that, like, particularly, um, you know, our team a- a- approaching it, it, you know, is uh, the majority of us are, are are women, whatever that means, and whatever. Which that means the table. it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. That's what um, it fucking means. No, but I mean, I think of it as like, you know, I, I I have no question that like, you know, male creators could could figure out, you know, or non-binary creators could figure out, you know, windows into her, sure. her story. But I think that like all of us see her story. In a in a different per- personal dimension, and there's yeah. never been a first class production of a Vita directed or choreographed by by women. So yeah, yeah. I was trying to <laughs> Google that, and I couldn't find anything on it. So I'm glad that you said it because I didn't want to state like a fact that you know I didn't know. That's awesome. Yeah. 
You you all are creating history. Now, you two, like <laughs> with the dancing, what have the challenges been of creating this world? <laughs> <laughs> you start? <laughs> you guys are like, well, we fucking hate each other. <laughs> Um, no, I think really fundamentally it was bringing together our two backgrounds to create something cohesive. And, and from the day one, we were very clear that we didn't want it to be like, these numbers have tango and these numbers don't and like split it. You know, we built everything together. That's awesome. Um, and so it means that like, you know, my hand is very heavily in sculpting the tango and her hand is very heavily in sculpting the sort of less tango infused numbers. There's tango steps all over. There's relationships, the way two people relate to each other. It's all kind of um, infused together, um, which means the process to build it was slow and long and painstaking because every single step that went into the show was thoroughly, thoroughly interrogated. What story are we telling? What vocabulary best tells it? How do we come at this? Are they partnered? Are they not partnered? Who's leading? Who's following? Is it is it open? Is it closed? Like, so there was, it was probably the most thorough prep process I've ever had. That's thrilling. I'm so excited. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, for me, so for me, it's super interesting to partner Emily on this production. I always think of dance as dance. Yes, I specialize in tango, but to me, dance and theater are one and the same. Mm-hmm. So I think of dance as dance. I think of tango as dance and I think of dance as theater and I think as all as one. And so to find the rigor of Emily about being always, always, always devoted to the story, like completely, like not one detail that doesn't advance the story, (laughs) which is great because I firmly believe that. It's only that my format of telling a story is as if you had like a whole hour and she puts, she wants it in a minute, which is totally fine. (laughs) But... In between, we had to come to some compromises because, yeah. you know, like, so I come from a world where, you know, I don't come from the musical theater world. I teach at a musical theater university, but it's, it's not my cup of tea. And so I think of things in an extended way to go yeah. deeper. To, so my process is very different and I'm learning on the on my shoes that as we go <laughs> and I'm asking questions all the time and I I feel like a, an understudy in many things, but I'm here for the ride. Basically, Valeria's job is to like create beautiful movement and my job is to be like, but can you do it in one count of eight? <laughs> and be like, this has to happen on six because this has to happen on seven. Oh my God. And she's like, but, and I'm like, it has to. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, um, so like, how's it been? Because encore's crazy. Encore's <laughs> it's batshit. Local. No, like back in my day when they were still calling it concerts, sure, sure. they were like, oh, we're just gonna do a simple concert <laughs> and just explore the piece. <clears throat> You know, let it live once more. And it's like, just kidding. You're just doing a full kidding. Broadway show in a week and a half. Like, or how long do you all have? A week and a half. A week yeah. and a half to stage and tech yeah. a Broadway show. I mean, that's really what Tomorrow's it is. Tomorrow's day 10 and we start tech tomorrow. Yeah. And I will say, like, <laughs> this, is, this is like a no holds barred production. Like, we did not, be, like, take 10 days to be like, well, then this is where we'll strip back. We were like. Great. Full production. But I think that it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's when, when, when Encores revives, you know, um, uh, something that folks haven't seen in a very long time or is, or is a less represented musical. I think that it can be, you know, at stands, it can be with books, it can be stripped down. But the thing about Evita is that like almost everybody who's coming to see the show has 
probably seen a production of we Avita all know it we before. don't need a book right so like if we just did it at music stands it wouldn't be very exciting for people even though they adore the show because they could just you know uh, it just would be silly yeah, sure. so um i think that you know the the these gala shows which are in the fall and and where i think the fourth one that's happened i think there's an added um expectation with them because they are more um well-known shows than than, than the encore season then like you know everybody come on down and see whoopee charlie whoopee right exactly because you know? <laughs> like don't care if it's at music no. stand i mean i do but but you know it's i hard. i wouldn't need to see a fully staged production yeah. of whoopee charlie whoopee or whatever those shows are called but I think it's funny because it's like, I don't know that the whole Encore's audience or City Center audience knows that these shows are made in nine days. Yeah. It's so, like fucking Survivor. <laughs> there's an expectation <laughs> that you're seeing something that like resembles what you see on Broadway, which we have attempted very hard to meet that expectation. Yeah, but everybody's on caffeine and lorazepam yeah, and yeah, praying. We've and all snorted so much cocaine. <laughs> Actually, no, about caffeine, I'm super amazed because I love coffee. Uh-huh. But for the last months or last 15 days, I haven't been able to touch coffee because I'm already under so much adrenaline high that I'm afraid I'm gonna be like just not you'll not become a crackhead yes um now uh, something Come that's something that's super cool about all of you and this is what I love about theater is that you you make something new again you take something that has been around that is absolutely iconic and you move the art form forward you respect the past you learn from the past and you go, now what about this? And that is something to me that I am so excited to see in your incredible new production coming up. Um, was was like Lloyd, did you get to talk with Lloyd Webber at all? Uh, I had a meeting with Tim Rice, which was like <gasps> a pretty monumental moment in my young life. I would have been like, <laughs> it was red and yellow and green, and like prove to him that I know all the colors. <laughs> I, I was it was very hard not to to fan girl. Um uh but but I, I kept my calm and I asked a lot of questions that he answered, which were it was amazing. And and then he texted me. It's so funny, I like scroll through my text and it's like, you know, Emily, Valeria, Rebecca, Sir Tim Rice. You know? <laughs> Can we text him sure, right, now. right now? I really want to send him a video being like, it was red and yellow and green. And like, how the fuck, like, how many boxes of Crayola did he go through trying to fucking write that Oker. fucking song? Yeah. But um, he was he was so lovely and supportive. And it's, you know, I think they're exactly what you're just saying, like, we came out this from the perspective of we want to respect the art form so deeply. We want to respect the existing work so deeply. I, Avita is the work of art on the planet that means the most to me. And I don't want by up, you know, by like doing a production in the 21st century to say in any way that the writers were wrong or that Hal Prince was wrong. I don't believe that. It's more so that there's a a way to see this in the 21st century and a way to see this with, you know, uh, with new generations come new perspectives. And I think that that's, um, I'm so grateful to them and to, you know, Andrew Lightover's company for embracing that and being excited about it. Yeah. Well, I hope that all of Andrew Lloyd Webber's shows get shown for the next hundreds of years, Mm -hmm. you know, because uh, it's important. And these are also the shows that like, at least for me, because I'm, I'm old, 
these are the shows that got me excited about theater and made me like buy the cassette and act it all out in my in my living room. I could never really sing Ava's part very well. I don't believe that. No, it's true. It's too high. Even Patty, like my favorite thing about Patty Lapone is like your range is so high, but not like that. It just sounds high because I've got like a pingy, but it's not that high. Um, but like my Shay, my Che was um, it was pretty impressive. So if you ever oh. see Che as a needy. Character man <laughs> that is Caucasian sure. and raised we'll Jewish and a homosexual, <laughs> and I don't look good in a beard, so don't think about it. Is Jason wearing a beard for this? No. Yeah. I mean, he, he has a little bit of stubble. He can't grow a beard, can yeah. he? Um, He's I, such I, a I baby. Don't know. Could he? Could we? We asked him to grow stubble because, it, you know, in our in our version, he's not necessarily Che Guevara. Okay. He's inspired by Che Guevara. All right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay, listen, you guys have to go to bed because you start tech tomorrow <laughs> on Evita. Listen, all of I... you listeners, all, all my little bitches at home, I love you guys. Um, go see Evita. Take a picture of yourself there with your playbill or whatever before the show. Tag me because I'm going to repost it on my Instagram stories. And we're going to celebrate Avita together. I am so excited for this. Thank you all so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Um, I'm blown away by all of you. You're just brilliant, incredible artists and humans. And I am so lucky and so is the world that the future of musical theater is right here in front of me. And that's awesome. Thanks, yeah. No pressure, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, I remember Shakespeare in the Park with uh, Sondheim fans. Sure. Some of them got <laughs> no like, pressure, real right? fucking crazy about There's it. There's nothing but pressure. They're like, Joanna Gleason did it like this. And it's like, well, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yo, anyway. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I love you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a great rating because it helps keep us going. All right. Much love to all of you. See you next time on Josh Swallows Broadway. Stop. Josh Swallows Broadway is produced by Alan Seals and Dory Berenstein. Photography for the show is by Michael Kushner. Make sure to look him up. He is my favorite photographer in New York City. The theme song is by myself and Anthony Norman. Want to be on the show? I'd love to have you. Email me at josh at joshswallows.com. Be sure to find me on Instagram at josh period layman. See you soon. Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E 
org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.